Hi guys, welcome to episode 25 from Two in the Tackle. Kaz and I, we catch up, we chat about our matches and focus for rounds 11 and 12. We also talk about our dummy fallen duck D. And we celebrate the front rowers scoring tries all day and all night. Anyway... Hope you guys enjoy the show. Roll the intro. Kazzy, mate, how are you? Week, mate. I'm fantastic. Another weekend of footy in the bank. And a bit of wet weather footy too, which we all enjoy. Does it not bring back, uh, for me, it brings back memories of being a kid. If you remember uh, when I used to live in Coogee, Moberly Road, south the road from Latham Park. And we popped out. If it was raining, me and my brother returned to each other. We grabbed our footy boots, our jerseys, and go, let's go run and slide in the mud and try to score in the corner. Yeah, did you, could you even score? I bet you couldn't even score against no defense. Mate, I scored six tries a game when I was playing against my brother. Unfortunately, he was two and a half years older, so I didn't get that opportunity on the weekend. Older or younger? Two and a half, I was two and a half years older, sorry. I was two and a half years older, and he was probably half my size. He was a late late bloomer when it came to growth. The stat man's got his numbers wrong. We'll have to write down that date. I will. 27th of July. Lock it in. Anyway, we're going to kick off the show this week. Um, as most front rowers like to kick off a show, and we're going to run it straight. So, what are you going to run it straight with for us today? I'm going to run it straight on something that might be a bit touchy to others, but I'm sure we all noticed it. There's been a lot of talk the previous week about certain players maybe taking dives or milking penalties, and it's something that will never be gone from the game. But now it's come to something like injuries, and in particular, the crusher tackle. Now, we saw a couple on Thursday night in our match in focus in the Tigers-Paramatta game, but the biggest one that perked and pricked the hairs up on my neck was when Nathan Brown took that hit up, we saw the young Sean Bloor taking straight head on, Nathan Brown falls back in the tackle, and then bang. The players know it now, grab your neck. Just grab your neck, and you'll get a penalty. And sure enough, Nathan Brown grabs his neck, looks like he's in pain. The referee blows the penalty. And I've never seen, if anyone's ever injured their neck, you do not bounce up that quickly. And you certainly do not bounce up that quickly and go, give me the next hitter. So they got the penalty. Now, look, we all enjoyed the contest because Nathan Brown got up and goes, let me run it straight. And Sean Blow smiled at him and said, yeah, sweet, let's go. But I'm sorry, that's, it's almost disrespectful to the people that get injured. And it kind of goes back to the boy that cried wolf. And look, the referees, their hands are a bit tired because it's hard to exactly pick the crusher tackle in the moment unless you know a player's injured. And essentially, that's what the penalty is for. You hurt him because of this dangerous tackle. And um, we're going to blow the penalty. There's already so much grey in that, in, that, in that sort of penalty because players are twisting and then they're backing into a, a defence, slipping down to the ground, and then they fall back and grab their neck. So I'm not having it, especially when, when you get back up and demand the next hitter. I want to see a penalty reversed. I would have loved the referee 
to get up after he blows that penalty and he sees Nathan Brown storming towards for a quick tap and then just turn around and just go, blow the other way. Let Sean Bloor run at him. Nathan Brown would welcome the tackle. You know he would. Well, also, why it's such a difficult one there, and it's not diff- it's difficult for the defender, is because they don't get the... The guy runs it forward straight at them, and then once they've made the tackle, the guy with the ball turns his back. So now it's on the responsibility of the tackler somehow that he's got to remove his chest from that person's back that's got to slide up to their neck. When he's training all week about trying to make sure he's keeping as much weight on the def- on the attacker as he can, so that he can dominate the ta- the the play the ball, and then the moment that the guy turns around, now he's actually got to pull off him. That makes that's not fair on the defender, and I'm sorry, but if you want to fucking put your head in that position, that can almost get you a fucking crush crushed. That's your fucking doing, mate. It's different. It's different if we're crushed if they're being crushed. But if you're putting yourself in a position to fucking get crushed, you deserve to get crushed. Don't fucking do it. I think sadly, Wiki, though, it's, it's something that we're only going to see more of. And every other game, we're going to see we're going to see penalties for crushing tackles. And I guarantee you, every week, we're going to see players faking it. You know, we've seen it before. It's not new. That, that happened just, earlier in the game. Now the well. crusher tackles. It happened yeah, earlier. Really, it happened to Gutho. King Gutho, when he was with Russell Packer and, and Parramatta kicked the penalty goal not long after. Oh, I think one of the one of the Packers one Packer did one, and it was it was where he sort of fell down. That's different to Correct. the crusher. No, no, sorry, that's not different to the crusher. That's the crusher when you fall Correct. onto the player. But there was another time where Sivo turned into Packer, and then they're trying to bring him down, and then Sivo holds his head. He has his head yeah. on his head. And then he gets penalised, he gets up, throws the ball to kicker, and he runs off back to the wing. I thought, but it's just, that's not Packers' fault. Yeah. See, the Gutho one, like you said, that's a real penalty. That's a crusher penalty. But, look, it's look, we've seen this before. We've seen it before when a player, when a team needs a penalty, they run in and they feel like they caught one high, and they stay down. Yeah, true. You know, they might have got it. They got a little tickle under their throat, and they say, stay down, get the penalty. Well, you know another thing that we've seen before? And we're probably going to fucking see it again, unfortunately. It's my turn to run it straight here. And it's blunders by the bunker. It's unacceptable. Oh, yeah. It's unacceptable. How the hell... It's one thing the referee's getting it wrong on the field, and we can blow up about that, but that's just water cooler talk, I think. Or just, you know, footy talk. But when you're watching it back on footage, that's just unacceptable to get it wrong. Having far too, it's no, happened yeah. far too many times... This season, so we need to get rid of this uh, the the safety net for these referees because this safety net ain't fucking working. And we need to well, put. We, we saw, I was going to say we saw it the other week when you know there was that blatant strip yep. from Sisawanga who ran the field. Now the referee he knew he saw the player in, in space and went, "If he scores, I could send it to the bunker." And I can check. And somehow they go to the bunker and come up with the decision that it was an offload that just happened to end up in Sisawanga's hand. 
Now, after that, everyone knew it was blatant. Everyone knew it was a strip. Everyone knew the video ref got it wrong. Graham Ansley come out and said they got it wrong. Uh, they, we saw it again in the Melbourne Storm Raiders game. Now, he previously said, I can't sack the video ref because we don't have enough who are qualified. You know, it's not that simple. I'll give you someone who's perfectly qualified to take that bunker role. Whoever operates the cameras for Fox Sports, because they're the ones that always seem to come back, show us the replay and go, uh, excuse me, you missed a bit there, Mr. Bunker. How, do they, how is the person running the, running the, the TV production of, of the telecast of this game? They can pick it. That's not their job. Their job is to show the game. They're going to show as many great moments or controversial moments or, or whatever they can from that game. Yet they're the one that goes, um, excuse me, Mr. Bunker, you missed something. So they, let us, they try and let us believe that, oh, look, you know, what you see, that one screen on TV, that the Bunker has actually 800 different TVs and cameras and they're, and they're, they're all turning knobs. They're all turning knobs. They're all, you know, they're watching it at all these different angles and all these different ways. But they get it wrong. And the most frustrating thing, I think, is what we all found is they had two looks. They had two looks and went, yep, no, that's enough. That's a try. Yet, we get these torturous ones where they look at something a hundred times to try and determine an obstruction play when the person who should really be deciding those obstruction plays is the on-field referee who's really in there and doing it. And that's a grey area and there's just so much, you know, there's so much up in the air with it. Get a blatant, like, whose hand was there first and you got it wrong? I honestly think you could hire someone off the street and they could do a better job. I don't understand why they don't have enough qualified. What are they, yeah. what are they, what are they doing Monday to, Monday to Friday? Monday to Thursday? What are it's, they fucking doing? The worst, well, the worst thing is, the two guys that got sacked, it was, uh, who got dropped, were Steve Clark and Ben Galea. Yeah? So Steve Clark and Ben Galea, they got dropped for, for their play. Now, the, who's the person that came in for them? Jared Maxwell. Who's the one that made the call on the Sister Wanga strip? Jared Maxwell. Who's the one that made the call on the uh, Melbourne, the Manly Seagulls versus Newcastle Knights game when Bradman Best pushed him in the back after also one or two looks after they'd just spent five minutes earlier, ten minutes staring at something else and they look at that for two looks and it's the last play of the game. That was Jared Maxwell. So we'll get rid of these knobheads and then we'll bring in these chipmunks. Seriously, who's running the, who's, who's running the kitchen? Well, I've got, a, I've got a sneaking suspicion they, that they've been given a directive to hurry up and get done with the decision. But that's that's not that's that's not a good for the game. That's not good for the game. It's not good for the game to have a speedy decision and then to get it wrong. It's good for the game if we didn't have it. If you if you if you don't want the time wasted on the video ref, don't have it at all. But if you're gonna have it. You need to get the outcome correct. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Absolutely. Now, look, just ask Paul McGregor. Now, look what's on the line for that. You know, yeah. if you look at that, that game there on Saturday night, Sharks versus the Dragons, the Dragons lose by four points, and there's a try. Yeah. The Dragons win that game. They're, 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 they're on the same points as the team that's sitting in eight, and they're really pushing for a finals berth. Instead, they lose that game. They've got... They've got to do something special to kind of make a run for it. And Paul McGregor will, all in, like, in all likelihood, lose his job at the end of the year. 
Now you can say that they should have won other games to, to guarantee it, but this is this is the NRL. This is one of the closest comps in the world. This is a comp that is decided by these moments, and we want those moments to be decided by the players and the moves and actions that they take throughout the game. We do not want to see it taken by the actions taken by the officials and referees. And just straight up incompetence. Yeah. Now, when they brought in this bunker, they brought this bunker in, you know, with, they counted all these great things. The bunker it's was... $2 million. Dollars. I remember when it came out. Yeah, $2 million, whatever else. And I remember you and I, we both had the same opinion, which was, how is this different from the video rest? Yeah. Okay, you might have a central bunker that's, I don't know, it's got crazy technology. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter if you don't have the right people running that technology. And it's just not good enough. Yeah. Well, we go from one set of dummies to one of our favourite segments, the dummy file. Now, we did, yeah. get, we did get an inductee um, from the Parramatta Eels game. So it was the first one off the weekend. And I think the rest of the competition, they're starting to get the message because that was the last we saw of it. It was our, our man off the bench. Welcome to the dummy file, Maratza Niakore. Well done, mate. Uh, you've entered the file, but we don't want to see you back in that file again, mate. Uh, when you get in the dummy half, if you're going to go from dummy half, like Joey Manu, like Danny Levi, like the Don from up there on the Gold Coast, you better bloody score. Because if you don't score, enter the fall, you will. Well, I think you actually get, you go into a special part of the dummy file yep. if you are not a dummy half and you go from dummy half. Okay, well... Because well, you just come in there for no other reason than to scoot and go for glory. <laughs> and you are not a professional in that area. At least the others... They live it. They they live day to day, picking the ball up behind some bloke's ass and some bloke's feet. That's yeah, true. But and, and it also looks like okay, their number one job is to pass. Whereas when a big forward gets in there, he's looking for a cheap four quarter. Exactly, exactly. You weren't the winger coming in passing it out to your half. You were going in there for one thing only, and forever you'll be remembered in that dummy file. Now I just want to make a special mention to. Uh, Danny Levi. Danny Levi was our example we used to put the whole talk competition on notice. Danny Levi and Lachlan Croker. Now, Lachlan Croker hasn't gotten caught out of there from dummy half since, so credit to him. Thank you for listening. But also, uh, Danny Levi, since then, he took a scoop from 10 metres out. Now, 10 metres out, that's okay. You can scoop from 10 metres out. You might sense an opportunity. You might look to ball play. I think uh, Connor Watson might have... I don't know, Reed Marty yeah. or Connor Watson or someone might have tried to look to yeah. ball play a little bit beforehand, then they'd have getting tackled just before the trial line. That's okay. Joey Martin, he got one out of dummy, you know, 10 metres out. If he got held up there, that's not a dummy file. One, because you're the prettiest centre in the game. Two, you're a two-time back-to-back NRL Premiership player. You play for the greatest club in the comp. We love you. And you scored the try in the end anyway. So it don't matter. It don't matter. Exactly, exactly. No, look, there's, look. every week there's going to be entrance into our dummy file. You know, the players will not let us down. But also another thing that will have continues to happen every week, week is front row and score and try. We want to keep them coming, Pat. We want to keep them Don't coming. we love it. How do we go this yeah, week? We're gonna, mate, this week, obviously, look, we were all treated to, to all those out there that have won the number eight or the number ten on their back. No one enjoyed that try from big Regan Campbell Gillard more than the front row community. 
So not only did he... Now, most front row tries are a barge over five metres out. Yep. Not many do it from, from their half and have to beat a few players. And he had a lot of work to do. He had, he had that, that big, slow left foot step. First he, he had to, find, he he had to angle back into that hole. You know, I suppose you, exactly, get, you, yeah, know, you play first grade, but you still got to do it. Mate, beautiful hit the hole, beat the fullback, and then the presence of mind to feel those rumbling legs behind him, lock that ball up like an NFL player, and you're not taking this one for a beat. He run too far. He run too far. So, look, that was, that was the most special try, and, geez, I hope, just like we say, we hope that Benjamin Dunn will be the worst punter in our punters club. Absolutely. I hope... That I hope that that will not be the longest front row try scorer this year. Um, but also, also get the mention throughout the week, uh, Francis Molo from the Cowboys. Yep. Uh, Aaron Woods, first, first try in a number of years. And, and obviously Aiden Tolman as well. Aiden Tolman got over his first try in five years and only his third try in his career. But once again, there's nothing better. Obviously, we love when, when front rowers score tries. But what's better when front rowers score tries, Lee? When they score a double. Yeah. Now, yeah, big Tino. Now I'm going to throw it over to you, Mr. Pronunciation. Right, I've had a little, I've had a little practice today, thanks to our friend uh, Neva, who's helped me out. Faasua ma le awi. ma Oh, sorry, I've butchered it. I'm going to have another shot here. Faasua ma le awi. Anyway, Tino, perfect double. I had to say your name twice. Big there. Tino, big Tino, got the double, and they were great tries. They were great tries. So six more tries, six more front row tries. Uh, scored over the weekend. Now, I want to read you a list, Whip. Yep. I'm going to read you a list. Okay? Read it for me. Uh, uh, Josh Papali'i, Brandon Hamlin-Ueli, Ignatius Parsi, Kane Evans, Nelson Asafa solomona Adam Fanua-Blake, Daniel Saifi, Jacob Saifi, Martin Tapao, Lindsay Collins, Aidan Tolman, Renouf Tormaga, Jamin Tanua-Brown, Andrew Fafida, Ayosia Soliola, Penny Terrapo, Tui Kamakameka, 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 Kamak
Now, I've got a question for you. If he's lucky enough to play State of Origin this year, at the end of the year, and he hasn't scored a try for the whole year for for Parramatta, Parramatta, for Parramatta, and he plays Origin, and he scores a try in Origin, would you call that, is he off the needy? Not for Parramatta. Not for Parramatta. Now, because it's a different one, it's at the end of the year, isn't it? So, bad Monday for Parramatta, he would have already had to have run it. But what happens if the end, the, the state of origin season, sorry, games are during the season? What would happen there? Not for Parramatta. Not for Parramatta. Not in the blue and gold. I'm sorry, it doesn't count. Now look, I'm sure it's not a situation that happens too often. But I know if I was at Parramatta Field, especially if I was Regan Campbell-Gillard, and it got to the end of the year, and Blake Ferguson has not scored a try for the blue and gold. I'll be telling him to get your kick out, brother. <laughs> you are doing a lot. <laughs> you are doing a lot. <laughs> and I'm watching. Go on, Gip. Go on, Gip. <laughs> oh, well, well, we might as well kick it off with that. Bringing Campbell Gillard and Blake Ferguson's uh, team, the Eels, and, and our first match of focus up against the Tigers. 26 to 16 for the Eels. What do you think of that game? It was, uh, it was a good contest. You know, Tigers really came ready to play and they showed that at the beginning they got the jump on on Parramatta um I think we all we all thought that they could try and go from a little while but how whether they were going to have enough in the tank to go with them for 80 minutes um and and that's sort of what ended up what it ended up being but I think a pivotal moment was when they were up 10-4 and they had a couple of penalties they had all the momentum and they got a penalty they took the tap and they had they had a few more hit-ups and they got another penalty and went, you know what, let's take the two. Now, obviously that's a... You see a lot of great sides do that who want to back their defence and go, we'll take, we'll take the two points and we'll go up by more than a try. But I know... We all know that Parramatta was going, sweet. And look, they hit back with two tries like that. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, it's great. It's a great step to take, but the Tigers just don't quite have the defence to be able to do that. They really need to score another try there, I think. I, I just um, think, I think you talk about, you know, if you have those uh, athletes and they've got like a chart and they've got, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses and and their strength, you know, they might have, you know, you say you've got Roger Fitter, for example, he just maxes out in all the categories, but some other tennis players, they might, you know, they might have a weak serve, but they're good everywhere else, or they might be poor at the net, but they're good, at, you know, all their other game, part of the game is is all meeting is all you know exceptional with the tigers they don't have anything that's exceptional and most of their stuff is just average or below average their biggest strike weapon is probably their biggest weakness who's been suspended for four weeks and i if i was mcguire i wouldn't be too worried about rushing him back into the side personally now and i think he's their biggest strike weapon well, I think, yeah, yeah, he would be their biggest strike weapon. But, you know, I think probably giving them a little bit of bit of breathing space is the, the young loan player, Harry Grant. He's proving to be more than just a key cog in their spine. He's almost is a strike weapon out of that nine. Um, he's, his running game, you know, we talked about the battle between the two nines, the two young hookers, two young Queensland hookers, Reid Barney and Harry Grant. And they both, they both showed us different parts of their game that they could offer, but... Geez, Harry Grant was sensational again, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, another another hundred plus running meters out of out of Hooker and fifty five tackles. Well, he may have won the battle, 
but he lost the war. Reed Marnie was... Correct. You, you, there was bits in that game where I felt Reed Marnie felt... And now this is just looking at it. I'm not in the mind of Reed Marnie, but when I watch it, it looks as though he, he got to a point where he thought he might have needed to take a leg up and try and get one over Harry Grant specifically. When, yeah. you know, it's easy for me to sit at home and think that's the bad option when he's the competitor, he's the one out there, he's aware that not only is this a battle of the two nines, but this is a battle that could continue on for a long part of their career. So Definitely. it's, you know, sometimes you're, again, for lack of a better word, your ego might get in the way there and forget that you're still a puzzle in this piece in this team piece to a puzzle and you just got to yeah. worry about your role you don't need to try and outplay your other number nine because if you play your role he's not going to be he's not there's if Rebody plays his role Harry Grant can't do enough to cater for yeah. everyone, everyone else in the team yeah. if he it's does the his role the many. exactly Correct. yeah you're right you're exactly right it's, it's not always what you can it's not always what you can do it's what you need what to do. Team needs you to do. Yeah, we what need your to team do. needs you to do. Yeah, and and yeah, uh, so but, now look, yeah, great, great unit win from Paramount. Yeah, correct. You know, they played as a unit. They had some adversity. They once they had to come back from being behind. Yeah, and look, led by the big men once again. Yeah, but you touched on you know, last week. Two, yeah, well, I've got some numbers for you from now. I love Fred Rowles. He loves the big fellas. Yeah. They do so much hard yards. Well, what do our numbers look like? What do their numbers look like? Okay, so 44 hit ups, 465 metres, 162 post contact metres, 63 tackles, one miss. Can, now, That's I don't, Campbell, Gidon, and I, Junior Paul. I don't together. want to put you on the spot here, but I'm going to. Have you run those numbers up against the op- their opposing front rows numbers? Yeah, they were all over him, man. They, they were all over him. I can bring you the um, the Tigers numbers right here. Uh, that while they were they were valiant, um, uh, Josh Alloway was was tough. He had 149 meters himself for yeah. his uh, 18 hit up. Russell Packer 78 meters. Yeah. So those are the two starting front rowers, uh, and you know, I mean, look, they were a bit short off. The, Alloway was the only forward, him and Eisenhurst were the only forwards to get over 100 metres in their starting side. Yeah. I think Harry, Harry Grant actually ran for the third most metres, fourth most metres for it, third most metres, sorry, for the forward pack. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, they, they, they dominated. So th- that just also indicates how important Alex Twal is to their f- go forward. Huge, huge, huge. He's been he's been a big loss for them. Um, you know, they've, they need those... That, it is still an area for the Tigers that they need to improve on. Is that they've always in the past they've had reputations of having smaller forward packs. They haven't been able to have those big dominant forwards that you kind of need um, to be successful. You know, the, the guy I can sort of come back to think of is um, Gareth Ellis when they had Gareth Ellis there. Now I know he wasn't a front rower, but it doesn't matter. He was their sort of you know that that big leader of their pack. So. They're kind of still missing that, um, and they're definitely missing Alex Ball. But, look, they made too many errors as well, the Tigers, and the, the Parramatta ran over the top of them. They ran for 450 more metres, um, and, you know, in the end, the Tigers just didn't have enough to yeah. get back over them. Now, also, that that's, I think, maybe it's at least the second, it could even be the third time 
where Parramatta have gotten behind early and <coughs> it was their Achilles heels last year is yeah. you know giving away a lead and not having the discipline, the steel or the confidence to back their game to you know slowly but surely get themselves back in the lead. Now they were down and the way that Parramatta played, they didn't panic once. They didn't need to push the envelope. They didn't need to, you know, you didn't see Mitch Moses do anything silly. Now, he did that chip and chase with he executed and he scored the trial. But I think, you know, 12 months ago, that Mitchell Moses does that chip and chase inside his half. As opposed sure. to identifying the key time to do that. Now, as soon as he scored that trial... Blake and Tom send a message straight away, fullback in the line. Now, I'm Blake, they're not big fans of the fullback in the line, those two. And they're very, very quick to point out when he gets caught out, when the fullback gets caught out. So um, yeah. that that's showing the maturity of Mitchell Moses of, of knowing that, yeah, you might have a big play in you, but that big play, the, the key to a big play is the timing of it. Mm, and correct. it's timed it right. And you get that timing of it from not panicking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying you can't yeah. you can't do a chip and chase inside your own half, but you're less likely to pull it off and the punishment for not pulling it off is a lot bigger than if you miss a chip and chase 10 metres out from the trial line, from the opposing yeah. trial line. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When, in reality, it was because there was no one at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it was it, it was good. It was great awareness, and it, 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 you're right. It does. It shows maturity in his game. You know, it, it shows. It kind of shows you that there might be a little. There might be another guy at training who's helping him out with a few things. You know, yeah. he might have played a few games of footy, a few big games. So I think his last name's John. John, you know? yeah. So his nephew. Uh, I heard his yeah. nephew. His nephew debuted on the weekend too. Actually, he did. He did, and he made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, that happened. He went straight to Big Josh. Oh, yeah. You don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be doing that. But I think we're going to have to move on to our next uh, match in focus, which was the derby from down south. The Cronulla Sharks beating the St. George and Laurel Dragons at Conquer Oval. Now, what I was watching was I was watching them come out the tunnel and I wanted to see who came out of which dressing rooms. And the Sharks, they sent the Dragons to the away sheds. But, to be fair, um, it might have changed since you've been there or something. Well, did you ever play at Congreve? No, I played at Leichhardt. I played at Leichhardt. Okay, well, at Congreve, the away sheds, it's actually, it's a longer tunnel. No, they're just, so the home sheds just come straight down the tunnel. They're, they're, the door comes straight down to the tunnel where they walk straight out. Boom. But if, in the away sheds, you actually go down a bit of a tunnel before you get to that last tunnel. And on the side of it, which I thought was pretty cool. Now, I wasn't playing, so I was able to just, you know, take in the sights. And they've got actually all their premiership photos along that walkway, which I thought was quite funny. Oh, yeah. Because you got the team that is playing these guys, and they got to walk past. they got to walk past all their premiership photos, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so that's something that they would have looked at as they were walking out. You know, I'm, I'm sure they've seen the photos. But that's like, you know, you look at the Australian Open and as you walk out the centre court, they've got the uh, all the previous champions. They've got images of them on the yep. wall, which I think is pretty cool. And that's something that the Dragons wouldn't have done very often, walking out to one of their home games at Congress. Oh, sorry, 
and gave a cog regarding past the history of the club, which I thought uh, might have, you know, done them a bit of a favour. I actually mentioned on the podcast last week that I thought the Dragons are going to win, but I actually tipped the Sharks, which worked out quite nicely for my tipping round this week. It was yeah, one of the best I've done this year. Can't cut the word of old big baby. Yeah, no, don't, do not listen to my sides. tips. Do not listen to any of my tips. What? I'm hopeless. Well, I, I wish I accidentally tipped the Sharks, mate, because I took the Dragons. And I felt really good about them going into that game. I, I you know, going into it, I thought they'd be better. You know, I thought they would, didn't be the better team. Um, but they just didn't have enough ball. They didn't. They obviously didn't have uh, enough of the green go, the rub of the green go their way very yeah. early on. Um, and then just, look, you, you just can't leak that many points and, and win games of football. Yeah, what does Robert call it? And it? Bit of a coin toss. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. You're in the coin toss. And, like, they just didn't have enough ball. Um, the, the Sharks had 56% of the ball throughout the game. They had 10 extra sets of six. And if you've got 10 extra sets of six, it's going to give you more opportunities to score tries and give you more opportunities to give, you know, big man like Aaron Woods get over the line. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, look, it just it wasn't enough for them. They let their run too late. And it's a shame because when the, when the Dragons get going, they... Yeah, when Matt Duffy's bouncing around and Lomax has just really come into his own this year. He's he's looking really great. So yeah. uh, he had a he had a bit of up. an up he had a, a bit of a down I'm not even gonna say an up and down season last year. I'm gonna say he had a down season last year. So much so that I started to think whether he was even cut out for NRL football, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year, to give him the benefit of the doubt, they were a bit patchy on where they wanted him to play. He may have even yeah. been a little bit patchy on where he wanted to play. When your forward pack's not going good, it makes things harder for your backs. As a whole, they weren't playing that well. Um, but now, it looks as though he's a lot more comfortable. And by comfortable, I'm not saying he's a better centre than he is a fullback. What I'm saying is he's now aware of the role that he's required to do for their team. And it just allows you to do your job better. When you know what to do, uh, when you have a clearer vision of what you are required to do, it allows you to perform better, I feel. Uh, Ravalawa had a you know a pretty good game considering he can be a bit hot and cold himself. Um, mm. But the big twenty two, Ravalawa. Yeah, yeah, but Looks by twenty two, by twenty two, if you've still got the mistakes that he's got in his game, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, but he's not. I think he's only new to rugby league as well. He's, he's in a sort of. He ain't new to a r- oval football well. though. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. And I, I just think, I just think, like of Manu Vatuve as an example, even Marty Kennedy, Jason Rolls used to always have an error in the. You know, they were obviously cut out to play football, and they were good enough to play NRL. But if they've got to where they've got with the errors that they make, they ain't gonna change. Now. One thing I will say, if we go to the to the winning side, the Cronulla Sharks. Yes. Um, I didn't I didn't give Raiden too highly going into this season. I thought, you know, I thought they would miss the finals. Uh, you know, they're still missing bits from there. They've lost the, you know, a lot of the big key parts of the the side that made them quite successful when they won the title. Obviously, with a lot of those experienced guys. What they kept they kept back in order now. Maloney, Luke Lewis, Paul Gallen. Oh, and also um, they're under the cap. Bloody cheater. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, and then, obviously, with the um, the Bronson Cherry incident, you know, these off-field incidents can sometimes they can really sort of take away a season. But they've managed to they've managed to find a couple of good, really good young players who have um, really added something to their side, and especially the big men too. Yeah. Um, 
the biggest stars off the bench for him on the weekend were um, Toby Rudolph and Royce Hunt. Yeah. Now, Royce Hunt played less than 30 minutes and ran for 200 metres. Yeah. He came on for 28, 29 minutes and had 18 hit-ups. Toby Rudolph had nearly 250 metres. Now, he played for nearly an hour, so he was, he was going great. And when he came on, he came on when the uh, Dragons were up 14-6. Yeah. Um, and that's when he came onto the field. And he really did help change the momentum for them. So they've got some big boppers. And you, you, I don't know, there's something about the big boppers with the long hair. They sort of try and get that Hercules uh, kind of uh, Amazonian-ness about them. And, you know, he came out and he was great for them. So they're great finds for the Sharks. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously, Sean Johnson's been fantastic. Pretty much since Cooper Cronk came out and said he's two rocks and diamonds. Yeah. And uh, kind of criticised him. It does seem like, uh, you know, Sean Johnson takes took a bit of that on board, and he's been fantastic for him. Why has it and taken him this long to identify the fact that it is warranted that the criticism of his gag has been rocks and diamonds? Look, I, look, I don't think it's, you know, it's not, I'm sure it's not something that's new for him to hear, but quite often you might hear it from uh, journalists. or Wiki or, Baker, yeah, to the tackle. Yeah, exactly right. But when, you know, there's, you know there's, there's obviously a bit of weight that comes from a guy like Cooper Cronk. And sometimes it's age as well. You know, Sean Johnson would be, yeah. he'd be 20, 28, 29 as well. You know, you it's kind of that age where that 27, 28, 29, where halves really sort of, they are able to come into their own, into their own in, in understanding their game. And, you know, he's in a good patch. Now, look, it's still half a season. All right. So let's, let's like, by all means, let's, let's applaud him for how great he's been going for the Sharks and he's been massive for why they've scored the second most points this year. But I want you, we want to see it for the rest of this year. You want to come back in two seasons' time and go, the That's great thing about Sean Johnson's game is his consistency. Yeah, yeah, You know, true. is how he's been able to be consistent. Because we all know how amazing he is when you see him. You know, he's got the, you know, the Benji Marshall type highlights, the great footwork, you know, he just dazzles and can beat players and throw those big uh, 30 metre passes and death little chips and grubbers, but it's just gluing it all together. And as he said before about Mitchell Moses, timing. Timing, yeah. The timing of when to do it. So yeah. Because he's always got it. Now. Now. They're gonna, well, they're really going to need him from now moving forward because Chad Johnson looks like he's going to be out on the Chad Johnson? For, for the next, yeah, Chad Johnson? Next or Chad weeks. Townsend? Chad, Chad Townsend. I was no, going to say, sorry, the combination of Chad, Chad Townsend and a Sean Johnson, that could be like the yeah. weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Chad, Chad Townsend is, is going to be out for a little while. Um, and we know that mail is good because it's come from none other than the NRL physio. Yeah, well, the NRL physio, uh, as much as I love him and I think he's the best, the NRL physio tipped you off and told you Alex Twile was going to play last week and he didn't play. Is that true? Is that correct? Uh... Uh, look, I have to take your word for it. I can't remember. Um, I think, I think, I, I think, uh, I, I just have a memory of seeing Alex Twile sitting on the bench last week and thought, oh, I thought Zach said he was playing. <laughs> but anyway, maybe, maybe I'm just hearing things as well. Sometimes no, I make up a memory. Actually, no, no, I remember, I remember. And that did not come from the NRL physio. That's what you get for listening to rubbish journals. I heard that on, uh, on Triple M. I heard the, heard the boys talking on Triple M and then Alex Paul was going to be back. So, oh, there you go. On the NRL physio. Oh, well, apologies uh, at NRL physio. physio. 
Apology is, is owed to you, Editor Alphysio. Now, um, I just want to speak about another apology. I have to apologise to our mate over at Bloke in a Bar, Dead and Kept. I think you might need to apologise as well. Yeah, um, most definitely. We've gone off a little bit too early on mm. asking, asking him to apologise to the Roosters. And so I think it's time for me and you to send our apologies to Denim and all the entire staff at Bloke in a Bar. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Apparently they're, 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 they're available at all independent. They just need to hit up some sort of uh, guy, AL, ALM or anything like that. But yeah, here's my apology. Yeah. I apologise there, Bloke in a Bar, for hounding you for an apology for the Roosters. For questioning their depths, and you know, they've been a little bit rough here and there. And look, as we've seen and as stated, the Roosters must have thought they need to shore up their depth because they did sign Josh Morris. And there's another bloke that just might be turning back up in the red, blue, and white. Yeah, red, white, and blue. We will oh, talk Sonny about that. Will, will, yeah. We'll talk about Sonny a little bit later on. We won't get too we'll catamount to ourselves. You know, we've got to stay on track. We've got to stay on track uh, because we've got two matches in focus this weekend. Sea Eagles and the game. Panthers. First oh, up. I can't wait. How do you feel about that one? Oh, I can't wait for that game. You know, they're the Panthers are they're probably the, you probably you'd have to say they're the form team in the comp right now. Easy. Top of the table. But no, I don't think they're, they're top of the table. They've won six in a row. They beat the Storm. They beat the Roosters. They beat the Raiders. You know, they've they've knocked off a lot of top teams. The only team they've lost to this year is Parramatta. Parramatta, there you go. The only team they've lost to is Parramatta. In that, in that contest, and that was a fantastic contest if we watched it. And, and they drew to the knots. Yeah, look, yeah, now they're going into, they've got to go into the into Fortress Brookvale yep. up against the Manly team that's, you know, really kind of been able to revitalise um, their season a little bit in the last couple of weeks with a massive win against Parramatta last week and another gutsy effort up in uh, Townsville last week. So, they're, yeah, it's a mouthwatering contest, isn't it? Yep. It's massive. Probably more, it's probably larger for Manly, no doubt, um, because another win is really going to help solidify their spot in that eight and you know give them a, an outside chance of pushing for a top four spot, which is you know three weeks ago you thought that was we were questioning whether they might make the eight. Yeah. Um, but a few players out for Penrith as well, so that's what I think really even for stakes for this for this game. Yeah, well, um, one interesting battle that I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to, the battle of. Not only the Penrith Panthers and the Manly halfbacks, but the New South Wales and the Queensland halfbacks, that could be that could be battling it out for the Australian jersey. Maybe not this year, but next year. Don't be clear in That's going to be a good battle, I reckon. Yeah, no, that's going to be a massive battle. They're both going to be super important for their sides. Um, you know, obviously Nathan Cleary he got his first run on the on the weekend without Appy Corrissau this year. And, you know, he was look, he's been just awesome this year, hasn't he? Yeah. I he's really taken his game to new heights, Nathan Cleary. His yeah. kicking game is just phenomenal. Would you would, do you reckon he has the best kicking game of all halfbacks in the conference? No. 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 Who's got the best kick game? Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's what I think. Now, best, I'm not saying I'm right, but best, that's just what I think. Best all-round kicking game? 
But I would works. say Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds always had a fantastic. He's always had an all-round great kicking game. Um, and his short kicking game is second to none. But the the, the kicking game is clear in the, just that timing and just choosing when to kick to get his team in position. He whether it's third tackle or fourth tackle, and the I don't know what he must. He must squat about 400 kilos. Some of the power he gets behind some of those kicks. But to have that, and when that, to keep that forward pack on his shoulders, he must be doing something, right? Yeah, man. He he is a leader. But he the, is a the real reason, leader. the thing is, um, you know, if South had the forward pack that they had when they won the premiership, still or the quality of forwards that they had then now. The you wouldn't have to be so reliant on his kicking game, but his kicking game was just as important as having Sam Burgess, as having Greg Inglis to South Sydney's success. Right now, yeah. at the moment, the Panthers their forward pack is on top, yeah, so yes, they might have got beaten up a little bit here and there, and you know, what's it called? Cleary managed to kick them out of trouble. Reynolds has done that his entire career. He's kept them in all their matches off the back of his kicking game. And it's always why I've felt that he would be a perfect piece to the New South Wales puzzle is because, you know, there was a lot of times where Queensland may have been on top, but they just kept on applying so much pressure through the kicking game. And our kicking game just lacked. Lacked so much. Now, they had... So that's why, as, as well as Cleary is going, I'm still not willing to give the title over. You know, when the Cronk, Cronk had it for so long because of the sex, maybe the sex as well, but the success that he had throughout his career. <laughs> and, and then I think the Mandel, the, the moment that he retires, the Mandel goes to Reynolds. That's just for me. And so, yep, so, you know, Cleary can still take it off him, maybe, while they're still playing at the same time. But right now, I'm not willing to give that mantle over to Nathan Cleary. Um, clearly, That's you it. did, but That's it's quite it. interesting. A couple of weeks ago, you know, you just jumped on the bandwagon. Now you want to fucking say he's got the best kick in the cup. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't say he did. I asked the question. I didn't okay. say he did, but Fair I asked the question. I said, "Does it?" I asked, "Is it? Is it?" Well, that's yeah, a question. You know, great point. Great point. But the fact that I want to, and yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I've I've only really recently just come come round to go. Yep, yeah, okay, I accept. Nathan Cleary's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Not that I thought ever thought he was. Sh- never, not that I ever thought he was shit. Yep, yep. Um, but I probably didn't. Uh, now is when I, I go. Yeah, no, this guy's the real deal. And look, I think it's. I guess maybe I'll get caught up in a few kicks that he might have had. But I guess the real strength in, in Cleary's game is that he has a lot of strength in his game. Yeah, and he yeah. doesn't have a lot of weak, and he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. You exactly. Know? You know, you just spend last you spend last week talking about what he does with that 41, 42 option. We've seen him be really strong in his running game and score a couple of tries both off those options and holding the defence up in two minds. He's obviously a fantastic general who leads that team around the field. And he puts shots on as well. He's so good defensively, you know, for a halfback. I mean, look at the size of him too, you know, for, you know, and he's only, he's only what is he, 22? So lots of great things to, to like about his game. And for all New South Welshmen out there, that's, that's really positive signs to see. And... Oh, how mouth-watering is the thought of Nathan Cleary and Luke Keary in the half together. Yeah, but I, I want to get back onto this Manly game. So before I continue on with the rest of Manly, I want to apology to another one of my mates out there, uh, as big a You're Manly fan as anyone else. Yeah, well, this is the show for apologies. 
We're, um, we're, we're honest about that. Yep. And I owe an apology. He's an avid listener to our podcast. Uh, I was disappointed in myself as I listened back to the podcast last week and I missed him. I thought, oh no, I'm going to be in trouble here. And so I am apology, Blake O'Connell. He's as big a manly fan as you'll ever see. Not literally. He's probably the smallest literally. But figuratively, he's definitely up there in the top, you know, top manly fans you'll ever meet. But also the reason why it's a valid opinion, or apology, sorry, and opinion, I suppose, um, is because he's as much on the pulse of manly as any of those manly, manly fans as well out there. So there's your apology, Blake. I do apologise for not mentioning you um, with the Manly crew from last week. But yeah, back to the rest yeah. of the Manly crew. Daly Cherry Evans. Well, Talk about Nathan yeah. Cleary not having many weaknesses. He is very much mm-hmm. another halfback that you know ticks all the boxes as well. But on top of that, mm-hmm. as well as Nathan Cleary, massive neck. Massive neck. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Who's got a bigger neck? Daly Cherry Evans. Well, or Zach Lomax? I, I think DCE still has the title, but you've got a good you've got a good contender there. Because yeah, Skippy, yeah, Skippy. Do you reckon that's what helps? Do you think that helps Cherry Evans' uh, kicking game? His vision. Foresight. He's got more vision. He can see over the line. Absolutely. Over the line. Absolutely. Go left, right, and go. But oh, I see a hole over there. You know, yeah. you beat me to it. Week. I was about to say before while we were talking about Manly fans before we got the err of all those Manly fans. Yeah. Terry Evans is amazing. We love watching him play. Yeah. Very clever kicking game himself, and you know, a, a real leader for that team. So he's going to be real key to to, to stick it to that Panther side. Yeah. Um, especially at home at Brookie. Yeah. Lotto Land. Nah, Brookie. Or Trooper. Brookie. Nah, that's another story. All right, so th- there are two matches in focus this week. Uh, one question I'm going to put out there to everyone though is, um, you know, who has got the best kicking game in the competition? And and why? All right. So yeah. before we jump on the next one, who's going to win this match? Look, it, uh, it's hard for me to go past the ambush again out there at Lotto Land. The, the Panthers are riding high, and they're right to the picking. There's no Coruscant. Uh, there's no. Uh, they're missing Brian Potter. They're still missing Dean Fade. Um I'm not sure if Kikau's. You know, he's touch and go. I think he'll probably play. You know, if I was to ask, I think he'll play. It's a big game. But the return of Fanua Blake. Back in that side, it just was mammoth for them against the Cowboys. And off the back of that forward pack, Cherry Evans is going to take it to Nathan Cleary and say, that green and gold jersey is not yours yet, son. And I think it's going to be a big win for Manly there at Brookie. When I say big win, I mean, I don't mean a big points win. They might win by one. Uh, Potentially a one or two point win, but it'll be a massive win for, for Manly to go, hey, look, we beat the Roosters, we beat Parramatta, and we beat Penrith. Don't you fucking sleep on it. Yeah, don't and with this camera. So don't go to fucking sleep. What about what do you what do you think? Which I think Penrith. I think Penrith. Penrith. I think Cleary's kicking game's too good. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, I think Penrith only because they're too good. But you know, we do have. I do have a soft spot for Manly. So if I see it, if the ambush happens, I'll be cheering it on. Yeah, and a juicy price too for Manly too for all those uh, for all those punters out there. Who want to gamble responsibly? If you want to gamble responsibly, yeah. you know that you get a nice value for, for the Manly Sea Eagles. Yeah. All right, um, so we've also got one more other match in focus this week. It's the Storm hosting the Knights. I'm going to call it Big Brother versus Little Brother. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, 
you've got you know you've got Adam O'Brien and um, and Craig Bellamy going at it, and it did look. We we spoke about this in the moment, but did we really get to see those traits in that press conference yeah. after that night's loss to the Bulldogs? Absolutely. He no does not hold. He doesn't hold back Adam O'Brien. He fucking calls it as he sees it, and he expects excellence. And if he doesn't get it, or if you see something that's not there, he's going to call him out because I want to see it next week. But it's also and, just, he made it so plain and simple. It was embarrassing for all the people who sat out there in the rain for 80 minutes to watch that. That's exactly right. You have people watching your game, watching you play in the fucking pouring rain. They're not your family. They're not your friends. They got they were here before you turned up to the club. They're going to be here after you leave the club. And that's the performance you put in for them. Hmm. And it was it was wet up here in Newcastle. So I'm going to tell you, I went to go out to my car. I put my scuba suit on. So, you know, you know. We're, and, we're, and use that that word that word he used as well. That word he used to players. We're playing like we're entitled. Yeah, which I sent you the text after. Yeah, because you and I were going backwards and forwards over that last little penalty that happened. Now, you know, mm. you I didn't. I thought the game was our bet was over. So it actually made more sense because you knew that the bet was still alive. So yeah. as to why yeah. you were so caught, why you were so angry about that decision. Because I actually thought he needed Brest to score, but it was actually uh, Sionet to score over in the winning Sionet, score. Yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, it's just to run, more, to run more salty man through it scores in the next game too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I, could under, I didn't understand why you're getting so caught up, but that was when it was like... So the week before or... Two weeks prior, they played the Parramatta Seal and, what's it called? Gutherson catches Mitchell Pearce out for complaining for the penalty, about the penalty. Well, we have a challenge now, so there's no need for you to complain. Challenge it. Mm-hmm. It happened again. Now, I thought the penalty was for a contesting in the air. You thought it was for a contesting in the air. Yeah, but the commentators had like. come back had said that the ref ruled it offside. Now, when we saw the replay, you and I both saw that he wasn't offside. So then it comes back to, why are you complaining? Don't complain. That complaint last time lost you the game. You're still complaining. There's no need to, there's no room in the game anymore to complain to the referees. You have that option now to say he was wrong. And yeah, you, exactly right. And then when he marched to 10, well, okay, if that's the ruling that you don't get your challenge anymore, fair play. Fair play. You want yeah. to blow up at me? Well, mate, yeah, it's your challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it, it's a real shame that it, that it was Kurt Nan that did it. Correct. Obviously a bit of frustration from him because oh, he thought, you know, I'm tra- challenging for the ball. He probably called him a few names that we've, we've called referees' names yeah. uh, from... From our lounges, but you can't do it to their faces because they can hear you. Yeah. Um, and he he was really great and valiant for them for a guy who was had to slot in at nine and jump in the middle and, and do a lot of work. So, look, the Knights did deserve to win that game. Yeah, they but, did deserve to, and more importantly, the Bulldogs did. On the yeah, also on the Knights' performances is I couldn't maybe Adam O'Brien could because he watches them a lot more you know intently than we do, but personally, I didn't think individually they played that bad. You know, especially coming home and they had to run it down. They obviously started to come together. But 
just collectively, it didn't seem like they were really humming. And that's yeah. what you need to be doing. It doesn't matter how good the opposition is. If you're not humming at that level as a collective, you've got to get caught out. You've got to get found out. You've got to make errors. You've got to make errors, sorry, whether it's defensively or offensively. So it, it took them a while, you know, and, and go back to Kurt Mann again. He might be trying his ass off out there, but he needs everyone on the same page. We refer back to Reed Marty. You know, you can't knock the guy for trying to push the envelope a little bit and, you know, do that extra, you know, run out of dummy half or look for a kick when he probably shouldn't be kicking. You can't knock him because he's still trying. But you still need to understand that everyone's got to do their role. Everyone's got to do their role. Now, I'm not saying that Kurt Mann, you know, did too much because he actually did, he did fucking perfect amount. I'm not saying yeah. that at all, but I think just collectively, I couldn't say that that guy played bad or that guy played bad. But you knew mm. when you're down 18 nil to the Bulldogs, the let's be fair. Let's be fair, you're not playing as a team there. Yeah, exactly right. No, you could see it. You could see it throughout the contest. You could see it on the coach's face throughout the contest when he's turning around and discussed some of the last tackle options. Yeah. Um, just some of the decision making by the Knights. Yeah, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't, they weren't collectively on the same page and they paid for it. And, it's, I mean, it's. I remember. I, I go back to that round three game when they played Penrith, and they had they had that draw, and that was such a tough draw for them. You know, they didn't have Ponga, and they lose Pierce and Connor Watson in the first five minutes of the match, and everyone at home go, "Well, they're gone." Yeah, they did up being down fourteen nil. Yeah, and they were down fourteen nil, and they came back. and probably should have won the game if if Beth had got that pass to stick, but it was so such a valiant effort, and it was in that game that I went, you know. Oh, this night side looks different this year. They've got some resilience in them. Yeah. They've got real resilience, and that's what you need. And unfortunately for the Knights, since those, outside of those first two games of the year, they haven't been able to string two wins together. It's been win-loss, win-loss, um, a couple of ugly performances against now the Cowboys and the Bulldogs. And the top sides don't drop multiple games to inferior opponents, uh, inferior opponents through the year. So yeah. to, to add more to add more, I guess, more more steps to climb in this in this battle now is they've, they've lost two more guys for the season. Yeah. Two more hookers. Yeah. So it's going to be really tough. And, you know, the NRL doesn't fuck around, does it? You lose those guys next week, you're playing the Storm. Yeah. And Big Brother. And I think, you know, the Storm are going to be too clinical. They're going to make the Knights play 80 minutes. And the Knights haven't, let's face it, even that winning, even that draw against the Panthers, the Knights haven't played 80 minutes all year. Mm. And if, you don't, if you're not up for 80 minutes, the Roosters weren't up for 80 minutes and they got beat by them. Yeah. Canberra yeah, weren't exactly. up for 80 minutes, they got done. It, yeah. it doesn't, if you're not up for 80 minutes and the Knights, even if they're up for 80 minutes... Even if they're up for 80 minutes, they've still got to outscore one of the best defensive sides in the comp. It's difficult. Yeah. It's going to be huge, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of response um, Adam O'Brien can get from his team um, after, obviously, a very disappointing performance for the club. And also, who's going to play hooker? You know, do they bring in Chris Randall, who, who played in that game back in, um, back in round three against the Panthers, and he made 72 tackles? Uh, or they've got a Phoenix Crossland as well, and Tex Hoyd, who could play in the hub. Kurt Nance stays at nine. 
Um, so there's a few decisions for them to make. They're still going to be without Daniel Saifidi, so they're going to need a lot of kicker and a lot of heart. And if they're not careful, Melbourne could put a score on. Yeah. They could run up a score. So it's it's a really defining game for them. And now with that loss against the Bulldogs and then playing the Storm the next week, they lose this week, they're back in that battle with that 7, 8, 9, 10 spot. 6, yeah. 7, 8, 9, 10 spot. You know, the draw might save them a bit if they that 13 points, but... Yeah, look, it's really tough. It's it's, it's pretty hard to uh, pretty hard to tip the Knights against the Melbourne Storm yeah, um, do, any week, let alone with all these troops down. Do you think that playing the Bulldogs, the Knights may have had their eyes on next week? Maybe a little bit, yeah, for sure. And I, I'm sure they woke up, saw torrential rain, and just went, Fuck, I'd love to just watch Netflix today. Um, well, we're playing the Dogs. We'll turn up. We'll get it done. And the Dogs didn't give merit. They had 91% completion in torrential rain. And that's what those dogs do. They try hard. Yeah. They, they're never going to lack effort. They don't have the talent across the board to go with enough of the other teams, but they'll put effort in. And if you don't bring effort, then they're there. Yeah. All right. Do, do uh, we see any front rolls going over in that game? Look, the Storm had a few front rolls going over uh, of late. Um, Tino. I could step Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith been starting in the front row. Nelson Solomon has scored a double a couple of weeks ago. So. I think this game is pretty right for a front row front row scoring over. Perhaps even two. Or oh, so fitty. Yeah, so, so fitty. Man, he had Matt. How could he was going to score a try? Mm. So, well, yeah, I think we can see front row scoring tries, but I, I think, yeah, look, the Storm are going to be too good and they, and they may win by, um, you know, double digits. 13 plus, but gamble responsibly. Mm. Mm. And look, just, just while I add on that, just to round out that week, this was the closest fourth week of the season since we've come back from COVID. Now, we commented on all the blowouts throughout, yeah. the, um, throughout the year, throughout the weeks. And this week, we had four teams with massive double-digit starts. You know, the Warriors were paying about $13 of the bookies. Everyone thought the Warriors were going to get flogged by the Roosters. Uh, they thought that the Bulldogs were going to get flogged by the Knights. Panthers were going to flog the Titans. And the Broncos were going to get flogged by the Storm. Well, only the last one happened. Only the Broncos got flogged. <laughs> only, only the Broncos. And look, there's nothing more reliable in rugby league than the Broncos not turning up. So, look, great contest. Seven games decided by 10 points or less. You know when that game was over? I did a meme about it. And two of the tackle yeah. style meme. When they took the two points. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you're not going to... You know, no, 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 no. Not up in here. You guys You're not gonna, gonna defend be... your way to victory. Because you guys can't fucking tackle my hand. You guys sorry, 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 sorry. You need to keep the ball in your hand and try and score a try, mate, because you God. Anyway, good honor. Good honor for trying. The 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 fun, the reason why it's so funny is they believed in themselves. Now, you know, you want that in a footy side, I suppose, and in a footy player. But the reality of it is that two points wasn't what was going to be the difference at the end of the day. Well, it's just like what we said about the Knights. Unfortunately, the Broncos don't play 80 minutes. You know, they're lucky to play 40 at the moment. Um, so, yeah, a lot not right up north of the border. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit unfortunate. It's kind of a bit sad to watch sometimes. Yeah, correct. You know? But we actually talked about it the other day. Uh, actually, well, it was yesterday, about how Chris Walker felt like he it was his, it was his place to... To, call, like, I just call, call out, 
Call it crocodile tears. Now, you and I, we might have joked about it. I think a few of my friends, you know, sent me messages after the Warriors game when the Broncos played the Warriors and all that stuff. But that's that's just to each other. You know what I mean? But when an ex-player comes and feels it's their place, um, I just think it has a bit of taste to my, not personally. I just think it's a little bit of low blood. And it, um, it actually took... Petro Simon Asiva to call out Chris Walker and tell him to pull his head in. And he actually ended up taking the post down, one, mm. and mm. um apologizing in the next Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm following this this page. It's called Athletes Are Humans Too or something like that. I'll, yeah. I'll actually go and get it. And I thought um I said to him, I said to him that, you know, we're all guilty. We're all guilty of, you know, going hard on a player, you know, on social media and stuff. But I, th- I think a page like his just just keeps us in there. It is. Athletes are humans. And it, a page yeah. like that just, just reminds us that, you know, sometimes, you know, how we may feel at the time might not necessarily be the most appropriate thing to fucking say all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, look, and it's, it's one thing to comment on a performance by a player in a game that we're watching. Yeah. But you are literally speculating on whether you think he's crying for real. Yeah, And yeah. you have zero knowledge of knowing that other than what you fucking think in your head. Yeah, yeah. And you saying that and claiming it is basically you say to everyone else, what I think is right and I don't give a fuck what you think. Yeah, yeah. To tell to tell Payne Haas, oh, look it up in a dictionary, mate. Crocodile tears in the dictionary. It ain't in the fucking dictionary, buddy. But anyway, might have the Urban Dictionary that. But to like to double down on it, it just makes you look like a tool, really. Do you know what I mean? And the worst thing is that the the, the world of media and reporting is now is a uh, social media commentary like that immediately becomes a news story. Yeah. I don't know how that's fucking news, but it's news story because it's clickbait. And look, here we are. We're talking about it. Yeah, I suppose so. so. I suppose so. But more so, we're talking about the fact that. He apologised, and this show is all about apologies. Yeah, we love apologies, admitting we love that we're wrong. But you know another thing that we Coming love, as, as Roosters fans? You know another thing we love? You know, us two Roosters tragics have been waiting the entire episode to talk about our man. Three I, letters. Yeah, I, know, I know who we love. Three letters, F-B-W. Sunday Bill, baby. Sunday Bill. Now, uh, you know, the news reports that are circulating at the moment is that the deal is done. Um, but I'm not going to confirm that the deal is done. I'm just going to speculate how will and what will he do for the Roosters. Yeah, look, he... I guess the, the beautiful thing with a guy like Sunny Bill, as we've known from his history with this club and just in his professional career, but definitely when we're talking about the Roosters, is it's not just what that man can do on the field, it's what he's able to do off it. You know, he adds so much to, to the Roosters' culture. Yeah, I think even when you hear, you hear the fellow players discuss how, how much it would mean to them having Sonny back, yeah, and how much of an impact he has had on that team, not only through while he played in those two years when they won the premiership and um, and were quite successful, but the lasting impact that has stayed since then. As Orbison said, he goes, 
mate, he brought a notebook to a video session and we all looked at him. And we, I, we still bring notebooks. That's what we do. And it, I'm not saying it's all about notebooks, but it's these little kind of things and this professionalism that he brings that has had such an impact on the club. And, you know, for all the talk, we hear all the words about white people saying, oh, see, Sonny's coming back. He should go play for the Warriors. Or he should go play for the Bulldogs. And that's all good and well in your fantasy land if you want to play NRL 2K, let's say, um, and be a general manager. But Sonny Bill Williams never played for the Warriors. And, okay, he did play for the Bulldogs, and that's where he started his career. He's not coming back for four years. If Sonny Bill Williams was coming back to sign a deal for two or three years, um, and, I could, and he said, I want to play for the Warriors or the Bulldogs, I want to, and it's about helping to grow this young culture. Okay, I could understand that. But he's coming back for you know, half a season. And not just on the fact that those two sides uh, could more than likely finish up on round 20 and not play finals football, but for a player to come and slot into a side and play five games of footy, how much impact, A, can he really have to that club off the field if that's the only time he's there for? And secondly, how much can he actually impact can he have on the field when he's got to learn how to be with that team? Now, when he comes to the Roosters, if he plays for the Roosters... Well, how good do they think he actually is as well? How good do they genuinely think he is? He definitely definitely ain't the sunny bill that he was when he fucking left in 2008. He's not the Sonny Bill yeah, when he returned not. in 2013. He's yeah. fucking... It's 2020. Yeah, he's 35. He's, he's amazing, but he's still... You know, he's, he's still a, a, at a later stage of his career. And it's funny because the, the commentary is either... Oh, that's bullshit. How can the Roosters afford him in their cap? Um, you know, they're only going to pay him this much. Or it's... He's shit. He's washed up. Didn't you see him at the Toronto Wolfpack? So which is it? Either he's rubbish and whatever they pay for him is value or he's awesome and and they're getting a bargain cut price. So yeah. I'm well, just going to speculate for you because I love numbers, Wiki. Yeah. But with the reported price of that 150000 or whatever it is, um, 150 to 200000 they talk about, for basically five games of footy and plus finals. If that was a full contract, that would probably be around seven dollars $800,000. Yeah. That's a lot of money for a 35-year-old player. So, they can shove it. Yeah. Stick it up your ass. So you reckon, what do you mean by stick it up your ass? You think that's all lies? No, to the people the, to the people that want to question the, the price or the value. Um, oh, that it's a, that know, it's a bargain that, price. Yeah, to say it's a bargain price. He's not going to play. They said the reports are that if he does play, his first game will be round 17. Yeah, well, if you're saying that for a full season... It's around seven hundred thousand for a full season. If the Roosters only had four hundred thousand at the beginning of the season, how can they fit them in? Uh, did they have? It's four hundred the amount they said. Oh no, well, that's I think a that's, speculation. That's, well, that's what that's come to. I, now, look, they said it's, a, it's basically a five-month contract. I guess so. That's what August, September, October, November, December, but. They, I guess they maybe moved the bar on when that contract runs to, but contracts previously ran till the 1st of November. Yep. So that would be for four months. Anyway, look, it's speculated on this prices. Um, yep. I think more importantly is, is, is what you said earlier, is what, 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 
what value can he add to the Roosters? And, and on the field, where where do you see him playing? Um, and yeah, what will his role be for that side? I think definitely coming off the bench um, and playing through the middle, really. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, he might, you know, if they do decide to rest Boyd Corner, there could be a chance that they might play him on the edge. Uh, but or, it he, looks or he as, can play on the edge if they need him to as well. You know, you never know. Throughout the game, true. Uh, but also, uh, fuck, what was I saying? It looked as though Satili played pretty, you know, was quite comfortable there. Is Angus Crichton out for a period of time, extended period? Yeah, he's... He could be out for, I think, at least another, potentially another four or five weeks. Yeah, okay. So, we've obviously almost got to start on the right there, as he did last week. Uh, Boyd will come back, but uh, we'll, they're obviously looking to manage his workload. And I just feel as though he's just got to add, a, like, the thing that he will add to the Roosters is uh, the vibe around the club. No one in that club, I feel... Sorry, not no one. So there's the two front rows. Uh, JWH and CY Takiyaho. Their certainty is to get picked every week. That number 13 mm-hmm. spot is up for grabs. So yeah. if there's if a starting position's up for grabs, that means that the three positions on the bench that are for the front rows, they're all up for grabs as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, being a player in his position, I remember... Uh, you know, Tom, when he was at the Roosters and we were handing him, you know, Sonny coming and Sonny coming, he was like, well, fuck, I don't care. Because that was his spot. Understandable. Yeah. But now, when there's four positions up for grabs for a quarter of a season, I don't think that any one of them, yeah, okay, there's, you know, he's going to go and overtake one of them, but I don't think any of them are going to be thinking, well, that was my spot. Hmm. And yeah, and look, with a bit of the, the way the season's gone with so many injuries as well, there's nothing you like more than adding a bit of depth to your side with a guy who is a proven winner. Yeah, yeah. So, so, sorry. Back to what I say. I don't think anyone's going to be, you know, kicking stones saying I don't want to be here. Mm. In fact, the opposite. It's like, oh, awesome! I get to work with Sonny for you know a little period of time. I wasn't here when he was here the first time. You know, now I actually get to you know, even if it's only for three months or five months or however long they talked about he's going to be there for, for that period of time, you got you can look and try to take the positives out of it. And you know, we we hadn't really been set on our bench spot. You know, we might lose a you know that Fatamo uh, Silly, you know the guy we lent to the Warriors. Okay, you know he's been. You know, we brought him back. Maybe he might be a little bit disheartened. Sorry about that, buddy. But like the Nat Butchers, the Isaac Blues, the Lindsay Collins, and even the Fatima Silly, they, 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 you know, were the top of the, the line. Sorry, the next in yeah. line, definitely. But it wasn't, you know, we weren't set on it. Like Nat Butcher started one week and then Isaac Blues come back from injury. He started this week. So... Yeah. I don't think he's worthy of a front row, like a starting position just yet. Mm. But that's not what he's there for. He's there for the holistic mm. aspect of you know helping yep. the depth, helping the rotation, but also just creating a great vibe around mm. Roosters HQ. Uh, yeah, I think he definitely. You know, a guy like him comes in when he when the amount of players. When it's not just the guys on the Roosters, when you hear players from other teams yeah, and the way like the they cheese. talk about how excited they are about, like, I'm sure you would have heard the cheese and yep. what he said. I was listening to that interview um, on Saturday on Triple M and, 
you know, there's, there's obviously so much respect for Sonny from so many players um, across the, the competition and um, in what he's done for so many sports. So he'll give them... They'll all, they'll all stand a few inches taller yep. going into the back end of this year. And, you know, it's those kind of those little kind of things. And when you've got the maestro and Trent Robinson yeah. sitting there, <laughs> twisting and turning, he's going to know exactly the different parts of where he can make Sonny really work and shine for, for this route of time. So I can't wait. Absolutely. Neither can I. Well, I think we might have to call that a week for us this week. Was there anything else you wanted to chat on just before we bounced? No, look, mate, that's it. There's no better way to finish than... Sonny, Bill, Williams, and our beloved Sydney Roosters. Let's hope, uh, let's, hope he can end his, let's hope he can end his NRL career as a three-time premiership player. Well, what a, what, a, what a finish it would be to win a comp in your first year and win one in your last. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Uh, anyway, that's us for the show. Uh, we've got Instagram, at Two of the Tackle. We've got Facebook, Two of the Tackle. Like, follow, share, subscribe on podcasts. You can get us on Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you listen to your podcast. You can find us, Tour the Tackle, believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. Peace out. Yeah. Up the chooks. And if you see any uh, dummy file uh, con- uh, potential contestants out there, shoot us through. If we missed it, we want to hear all about them. Absolutely. Anyway, peace out. Up the chooks. Okay. Oh, okay.